Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you up until noon here. Zuba Mahente still to come this hour. Wasn't too many weeks ago that I was watching the Eagles on Sunday night on ESPN. Yes. And now we Sunday got trend, You know there's a double dip on Sunday night baseball this week? I did not. Yes, two games, a 6 o'clock. Uh, Atlanta and the Mets. And then we'll be entertained at oh, 9 or whenever they get to it. Uh-huh. With the Giants... And the Dodgers. Okay. So a double dip on Sunday night to In. end the weekend. Eagles were good. Baseball's going to be better. Brian Walton covers the Cardinals. TheCardinalNation.com. Mike Schilt making some news yesterday. A lot of ground to cover with Brian as they are, what, a couple of days away. They start on Friday. Uh, Brian joins us. Uh, Pittsburgh's in town uh, to take on the Cardinals. Brian, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I thought it was a little odd you had the long run on as a lead-in for me because baseball this season is going to be anything but a long run. It's true. It's a 60-game sprint, and it starts on Thursday. I, for I, the Cardinals on Friday. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. You know, the uh, for the Cardinals, I think for everybody, you want to get off to that hot start, right? You don't want to come slow, slow out of the gate. And for the Cardinals, the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates will be in the visitors' dugout. I think that's a big break, Brian. I do. The Cardinals have one of the better schedules in the major leagues, not only because they play the Pirates in division, but then, of course, the National League Central plays the American League Central, and both the uh, Royals and the Tigers lost over 100 games last year. But guess what? The Cubs and the, and the uh, Brewers and the Reds all have the same schedule, too. So, like you said, you know, every game, now this is like on page one of the official Coach Cliche book, Every Game Counts, but... I mean, this season, they really, really do. You look at the prognosticators, and this whole division is going to win somewhere between 30 and 32 games. So every game really does matter. It does. Uh, we're 2.8 games per contest. And going to change the way that managers go out there, the way they're going to do things. Brian, over the course of this season, and a very stacked-up division for the five teams with a realistic chance to win it. Just how different is it going to be for Shilton and just the organization as a whole? I know there's been some teams that have talked about even when their starting pitchers had their normal throwing session in between starts, maybe going out there and doing an inning. Would you see something like that possibly happening with the cards? With the expanded rosters, Trent, I don't see that. I mean, as most folks know, the Major League teams are going to start with 30 players on their active roster here, and then for the first two weeks, and then drop to 28, and then to 26. So, literally, in the you know, the Cardinals are going to have like 12 guys in the bullpen, and they the strength of the St. Louis Cardinals is their starting pitching, and all their pitchers are in pretty good shape in terms of being able to go deep into games, at least from a durability perspective. Now, we don't know, you know, what's going to happen in terms of uh, you know if somebody gets lit up, but then they've got long guys in. Uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon and Austin Gomber, two young guys that would start for a lot of teams who don't have a place in the rotation. So the Cardinals have guys, you know, ready to come in. But to your point, yeah, I think a lot of managers will be a little shorter on the trigger with their starting pitchers this year to not let games get away from them. Uh, we mentioned uh, Mike Schilt made some news yesterday. So Carlos Martinez is back in the starting rotation. He's going to be the five. 
and I'm not even going to attempt to uh, to pronounce the uh, the the, uh, uh, the closer who came over from Korea who they signed in the off season just before Christmas. Uh, so a surprise that Martinez is named the five, and the fact that um, you know different closer this year. Uh, I'm absolutely not surprised. First of all, the closer last year, uh, Martinez and Giovanni Gallegos, and Giovanni Gallegos would have been the incumbent this year, but he was unable to come to camp until just a few days ago, so he's not ready. So then the, they you know, had six guys for the rotation, and when Quang Hyun Kim, or they call him KK for short, when he was signed this winter, he was really signed as insurance for the rotation. He'd been a starting pitcher in Korea, and the Cardinals didn't know, is Martinez going to be ready? Is his shoulder going to be okay? Is he going to show the commitment between starts to be ready to be a viable starter? And then when Michaelis had some arm problems in the spring, then it looked like Kim was going to step in for him. But right now, given that the five guys who are the incumbent starters are all healthy, there's no room for Kim. They have a need for a closer, and he's a very, very, he's not a, a, obviously a 100-mile-an-hour thrower, but he's very efficient with his pitches. He has four pitches. He can get righties and lefties out, so they're going to give him a try in the ninth inning, and I think with a season crazy like this, why not do something innovative? And we're going to see Kim uh, in that role in tonight's game for the first time. So I was looking at ESPN. All the writers were making their predictions for the season, and I got to National League Rook of the Year. No surprise, Gavin Lux was the runaway favorite there. We got to see him a little bit for the Dodgers last season. But second on the list, Dylan Carlson. Let's get the hype train started mm, why here. Not? Why is he going to win the Rookie of the Year? Why he's going to beat out Gavin Lux? Because, boy, 21 years old mm. and seems like he's got the world in his hands already. The, the challenge for the St. Louis Cardinals this year, I mean, you look at their projected starting lineup. And their three out, their three starting outfielders are batting seven and nine. Look at another team in Major League Baseball where your outfielders are at the bottom of your order. I mean, it's it's clear weakness for the Cardinals. They're going to get extra power a chance. I don't know going to be the guy and left it look like. And Harrison Harrison is a great defender, but inconsistent offensively. We're going to be Dylan Carlson just as soon as they're comfortable. That one of these those three five starters I mentioned aren't going to play every day because they're not going to bring Carlson up. You know, control of him down the road if he stays down for at least six days. But the real issue is going to be, you know, when are they going to be up power or or better and put Carlson every day? Don't know, but they can't afford to wait too long. It's only sixty games. Uh, Brian, take a step to your left or your right. We are losing you there <laughs> in, in the middle of uh, in the of your conversation. We got a bad sell, so take a step to your left or your right. See if that cleans it up. Hey, we had a uh, we had a uh, a national baseball guy on yesterday, and the conversation turned to the Cardinals. His uh, he mentioned that uh, that. Harrison Bader is finally going to have to step up and um, you know be be that guy that he's shown flashes and glimpses of. He thinks there's a lot on Harrison's Bader's plate this year. Is that fair or unfair? I think that's absolutely right, Ken. Harrison Bader has had over 900 plate appearances in the major leaguers in the major leagues so far. So he is not a kid. He's not a rookie anymore. We know what he can do defensively. He's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. But if he can't handle those breaking pitches outside and away, and it's going to get to 230 and have an on-base percentage under 300, you know, you can't afford to continue to run him out there. The Cardinals just don't have enough profit. They can afford to have a dead spot in their, in their lineup. And so, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Harrison Bader to hit this year. Uh, Brian, we got a really bad signal. Last thing for you here. Um, I... I, it's wide open. I'm going to pick Cincinnati to, to win the division. 
Why am I wrong? It seems like it's the car. I think the Cubs are going to have a bad year. I'll just mm-hmm. flat out say it. I, I'm just those uh, exhibition games weighing yeah, heavily. Yeah, just on not you. high on that. John Lester's at the end. Uh, Darvish, you never know what you're going to get. I'm a big Kyle Hendricks guy. Rizzo, Willie or won't he make the season opener? He's got back issues. I'm just not. I just don't feel it for the Cubs. I think it's Cincinnati and the and the Cardinals. I'm picking Cincinnati. Why am I wrong? Well, I think, you know, on paper, Cincinnati looks good. But Cincinnati's look good on paper a lot of years. And they've got a lot of new guys to integrate into that team. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they are, and you look at that ballpark that they play in, they've got a very good offense. They're going to score a lot of runs. Again, the pitching looks good. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure yet. But I do agree with you. I think it's going to be the Cardinals and the Reds. I think the Brewers, the pitching is weak, and the Cubs, the same thing. I'm with you. Uh, Brian Walton, good to speak with you. Can't wait to get it on. We will talk to you in the weeks ahead as we do throughout the baseball season. TheCardinalNation.com. Mike Schilt made a lot of news yesterday. Brian Walton had it up on his website very quickly, as he always does. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton, TheCardinalNation.com. So, DeYoung was a breakout last year. Mm-hmm. 30 home runs. Mm-hmm. Wong felt like I like him. The most consistent he's been in his career a year ago. Yep. Boy, he there's times where he has those two week stretches where he looks like the best second baseman <laughs> in the game. <laughs> and true. then he has a couple of weeks stretch where he looks yep. like he can't hit the broadside of a barn. And, and it, it was much more even compared to what we've seen in the early portions of his career. What do you think of Edmund? Tommy Edmund over mm. at third. He's as fast as the players there is yeah. in baseball. That's what I. Th- that's the first thing I think about him. I mean, age age with this team, if it goes bad, it could go bad quickly. Mm-hmm. You talk about the outfield now. Yes, you have Dylan Carl- Carlson waiting in the wings mm-hmm. there. Yeah, Carpenter was a huge disappointment yep. last year. Yep. Goldschmidt, I don't think was quite the guy maybe that some people anticipated coming in. It's a lot of veterans, a lot of veterans playing a very compressed schedule. Could go wrong in a hurry. Like the talent. You're not feeling the Cardinals? I don't think so. I, I like going off the cuff with your Reds pick. Mm-hmm. Why is nobody picking the Brewers? Is it just that rotation is is too questionable? Yeah, I think so. Woodward's getting the opening day start, right? And I, I really they, like it. I, I, too. I, Look, they got some guys we nobody's ever heard of. Yes. But they're not bad, Trent. I'm they're not. No, no. You look across that rotation. The bullpen's still outstanding with Hayter mm-hmm. and how they're going to use Hayter this year. And they have the... MVP from two years ago. If he's healthy, oh god, he's so good. We saw he might Christian be one of the Yelich. best players. In, where is he? Is he a top what? Top five for sure, right? At the very end, uh-huh. I think he can go higher. Health. Uh-huh. We'll see where he is this right. year. Lorenzo Cain. I still think he has something Getting left a little in the tank. But yeah, I agree with you. And Keston Hira. This is the a guy that had player. so much buzz when he mm-hmm. came up a year ago. Ton of pop in that mm-hmm. bat. There's still pieces. Justin Spoken still hit the ball. Mm-hmm. No, Smokes, look at I watched him a lot last year. He played first base for my Blue Jays. It's not my prediction that the Brewers will win it. but at the No, price, I don't think they'll win it. But at the price that there is of these four teams as close mm-hmm. as they are, I, I think it's worth If I'm going to fire at anybody because of the price, I'd probably do it at the Brewers in this division. Yeah, you can't take a short price. I'm with you on yeah, this. With the, the Cubs at 225, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't like that either. Trent, you're just, down on the Cubs, I just, huh? I just, I just don't feel it for this Cubs team this really? year. I just don't feel it. I think it's, it's, it's just a feeling. Yeah, I mean, look, it, uh, Hendricks might win. You know, the first game. You can't fall behind in this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing I was thinking about last night is, for instance, the Nationals. They were one of the favorites last year, and then they just had such a god awful start, and the price kept creeping up, 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 up. Yeah, on rem- them, right? remember your boy jumping on that. 
but you got a decent price I had for them. A great to, price to win the World Series. Well, I got it. I bet on them to win the NL. I right. didn't ultimately win the World but Series. But you would have got a great price to win the World Series. Dude, that's not going to happen this year because no, teams are with only sixty games. You can't There's catch no, up. You can't. There's no team that's you know ten to one to World Series. All of a sudden, they're thirty five to one because of the start. No, no, no. It's over. It's over. Throw dirt on them. It's done. Mm-hmm. What was? Didn't the Dodgers have a bad start? Was that two years ago? That they got off to a really bad start, recall. and they were under 500, I think, through May. And then they turned around, of course, mm-hmm. and went on. You can't afford that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be so intriguing what is used. I mentioned to Brian, and he brings up a good point, with the Cardinals and the amount of depth they have and guys that can be long relievers that it doesn't make sense. But Garrett Cole coming out there and throwing an inning in between the starts, mm. how different the complexion of your bullpen looks. and. Whatever pitcher you start talking about and being able to do that, we see it in the playoffs, and we might see it here during the yeah, regular season. And, and seeing those numbers increase and, and seeing the appearances increase for the starting pitchers, too, it's going to be a wild season. It really is. You know, back to back to the Cubs for a second. Uh, it, it's the rotation as much as anything. I mean, Tyler Chatwood might be the three. That Lester might have fallen to four. They don't have a five. Jose Quintana cut his hand doing dishes. Right. But how does that trade look right now, right? The way Jimenez oh, is doing, my God. Um, Kimbrel's a... Can I guess? Yeah, I mean, you never know what you're going to get with him. We you, 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 you trust him to hold a one-run lead in the, in the ninth inning? I don't. And look at the rest of that bullpen. It's a bunch of no-names. Rowan Wick. Jeremy Jeffress, who was good... Three years ago, yeah, I like I like Wick, but again, you you're counting on these guys to be your setup guys. Kyle Ryan, Brad Week, and Ryan Tapera. Mm-hmm. Yuck. Rizzo's a question mark at first, just yeah. because of his back. Caratini might have to play a ton of first base. Kipnis is okay. I like Horner, but of course, Baez and Bryant. Um, but look at the outfield. Jason Hayward's old. Mm-hmm. Jason Hayward had a bounce back year last year. Can he do it again this year? I'm betting he can't. Albert Almora has not taken the steps necessary. Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber probably going to be your DH, I think, more so uh, than Cappy feels, and I like Kyle Schwarber at that spot. I just, David Ross's first go around as a manager? I mean, he knows the game, and mm-hmm. you, you can't knock that against him. But Jason Kittness hasn't been good since 2016. It's been a long time, <laughs> but he's back home. Back home. You could be bad at home, I guess. Trent, I wouldn't be shocked if they finished fourth. Wow. I, I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't be shocked. And I know there's a lot of Cubs this, love out yeah. there. Look, you'll always have 2016. So you're going Reds. I'm going to take the price of the Brewers. And the Cardinals will be right there. Mm-hmm. Does it turn into a three? I bet, no. I hate to be this down on the Cubs before the year, but boy. You kind of paint a dire picture when you go through this roster. Yeah. Brian bounces back, and we saw the same guy that we saw three years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. Rizzo's healthy, and he's able to play fifty-seven games, and you both get a your, breakout. Both your corner from infielders have questions. Yeah, back for Rizzo, and what's left with what's up with Chris Bryan? Which one are you going to get? Uh, we'll see. We'll start to see them on Friday. Let's go! Oh man. I am so excited for yeah, this. Yeah, it's going to be a blast, right? And then next week, it's the, the following week. It's the NBA. It's the NHL. No tests in the NBA. No positive tests in the NBA as they sequester in the bubble. That was huge news. That's just a, a extra hop in the step. And, mm-hmm. and I've been feeling it this week and just talking here as we are about the National League Central. It feels, it just feels great. There's been so much negativity. There's been so much question. There's been so many concerns. Ken, you were freaking out. And, and I know you're still very cautious with everything happening in the world, but 
but just to get this back, to get sports out there. I said it a week ago, and I think it's just so important to get people back in some sense of normalcy and the divisiveness mm-hmm. that continues on in our country. A distraction, distractions are good things. Yeah, it is, absolutely. Instead of fighting with each other, fight about the Dodgers and the Giants <laughs> yes. or the Cardinals and the Cubs or the White, or the Red Sox and the, and the Yankees. Pick your rival. Fight with your friend over that. Not over with the other stuff. My God. All right, Kicks and Owen Iheart want to help you with your bill. Sports can help there. You really can. Yes. I'm convinced of it. Uh, text the keyword CHECK to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's CHECK to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Sports Center and soon to be radio joins Trent and I next as we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.com. The newly renovated Bennigan's on Merle Hay Road is reopened. Bennigan's has all your old menu favorites and now an updated look. A huge 86 inch TV. Televisions throughout for your sports viewing and now 20 beers on tap. Bennigan's on Merle Hay is clean and follows safety protocols to keep their customers safe and healthy. Dine in, carry out, or curbside. Your neighborhood gathering spot for the best happy hour in town. Connected to the Holiday Inn at 4800 Merle Hay Road. Bennigan's, your new neighborhood gathering spot. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Our sign language is on point. I got what you were saying Did you there. say that? You got that? Uh, Miller and Condon with you, taking you until noon. Zubin Mahente, uh, Sports Center, and soon to be ESPN Radio in the middle of next month. He joins us. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, how are you? Doing well. Hopefully it'll be both of those moving forward. But yeah, I feel like you're juggling both right now. It's been Really busy, but a lot of fun, and we're less than a month away. And uh, as I told Trent during the commercial break, I mean, we've been doing this can be you, Trent slash Marty slash Jim, whatever period it was, up the dial, as you like to say, at this station yep. for the better part of 15 years now, man. It's been 15 years, so you guys have got to be primed and ready to go for this. Yeah, it's going to be a blast, Stuben, for you. I'm, uh, I'm anxious to see how it goes, and uh, I expect nothing but uh, good reviews from it. Um, Zubin, I know that uh, baseball, obviously, we start. You guys at ESPN, you're ratcheting up your coverage. Here's what my uh, dawned on me yesterday. Have you seen anything like this? Once we get to the uh, into October, and I'm not saying the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, but once we determine the two World Series teams, if there's no fans in the ballpark, do you think there's a chance that um, the Major League Baseball would move to a neutral site and put both teams, or even if it's the four, you know, teams that make it to the respective league championship series, just for the, you know, to do whatever they can? They made it this far. We we're about to play our championship series, and then uh, followed that by the World Series. Might they go in a bubble in October? Have you heard any speculation along those lines? I haven't heard any speculation along those lines, but I definitely think they should keep it open. And I mean. I mean, not to bring this back to you, Ken, but considering what they've done to your favorite team and their willingness to go to the last second, totally inexcusable. You have to have some sort of contingency plan in place, considering you knew and you and I were texting over the weekend and you were telling me how much your home country, how much more stringent they are uh, than we are. But uh, at, at some point, if you're mapping things out, 
you have to have a column that says Canada says yes, Canada says right. no. And that should have been something that was determined long ago. You knew about the lights in their stadium in Buffalo. You knew you could go to PNC Park somewhere to stay in the Eastern time zone to make travel easier. So if they're willing to go to the last second to make determination on one team, I certainly think they would be open to sort of saying, what could be better than what you just floated? Is that feasible? But certain things I just, you know, the last couple of days, I'm sure you guys have been watching highlights on your phone or watching them. Last couple of nights on SportsCenter, a couple of nights ago, we, we ran, I think it was a Phillies game. I don't know if you guys saw this where the umpire had to stop the game because there was a problem with the fake crowd noise. I mean, get this for 2020. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is going on? Yesterday we ran a highlight where the announcer said, I wish I could tell you what game it was. John Anderson and I were sitting there laughing. You know, there was, a, there was an interference on a play with nobody in the stadium. <laughs> it turned out like one of the ball boys jumped off the baseline and he kind of got a little overzealous and grabbed the ball that maybe he should not have touched. But the idea that you could have interference by somebody with nobody sitting in the stands or cardboard cutouts of Mary Hart or sitting behind the plate at Dodger Stadium. So uh, just get ready for anything, I think. That's where we are, but we will get it back. It'll start on Thursday. Officially, exhibition games have been going back and forth. We saw the White Sox and Cubs playing, Mets and Yankees over the weekend. It, it's been a sense of normalcy. And then great news from the NBA. No positive tests. Over 300 people that were tested. No positive tests there. The NBA bubble is it working? I know you're very close to the NBA. You follow it very closely, Zubin. I don't know if as well as could be anticipated would be the right verbiage here, but, boy, it feels like it's going really well. It is. One quick thing I just want to mention, if your viewers didn't see it yesterday, Ken, just add one more thing on. This is another thing that made us crack up, and Trent, I'll get right to your NBA. I don't know if you guys saw the Phillies-Yankees game yesterday where the Phillies had recorded three outs in an inning, but Velasquez hadn't gotten enough pitches. So he asked to stay in the game after three outs in the half of the frame. And then Judge came up and hit a home run. So basically, he's got three outs. You've retired the side. I'm not done. I need more work. It's Monday. I might not get out there. I, me and Nola got to be ready. Can I throw some more pitches even though we've recorded three outs? Sure. Judge, gone. Uh, again, baseball 2020. That happened yesterday. Well, and, and also, Zuba, just real quick, I mean, the, the Cubs yeah. and the White Sox were playing yesterday, and uh, and Darvish was getting hit all over the yard. And David Ross, I mean, they'd only, uh, Darvish only had recorded two outs, and, and Ross looked over at Renteria and said, let's end this. Let's go to the second inning. So this is happening throughout these, throughout these games, which is crazy. I did not know about the one that you just referenced. Insane. I love Rossi, too. Rossi making up the rules as he goes along. He did a great job for us. But for the NBA trend, I would tell you, look, you're right. As the weeks have gone on, the tests have gotten lower, which is showing in some ways, despite uh, what Chris Tassel is telling you about the snitch line, the bubble is working. It's <laughs> That's inside great. for some people yeah. uh, that know Chris. That was amazing. I'd go check it out if you have it. Um, but obviously, this is because it's gone on progressively. Uh, the NHL, I believe, tested 800 players, which is like two and a half times the amount the NBA is testing. They're testing about 300 players. You mentioned how clean it was. The NHL tested about 800, maybe it's one coach, one player. But as each and every week goes on in their bubbles, I think you can expect to see the number go down, which is what makes the NFL so interesting. Number one, this is going to be test number one. They're going to test every day, and eventually if the numbers go down, they'll test every other day as the owners want now. I think it's a little silly or a $15 billion industry. Test everybody every day, win the PR war, tell the players you care about them. When you make that much money and you're saying we want to go every other day, it's silly and it's foolish. But what's different about the NFL, of course, is they're not going to be in a bubble and it'll be the first test. So when you don't stay in the bubble, you're more susceptible, you would think, 
and the first test is always probably going to come back a little bit higher. Think about what's going on in Major League Soccer, not a sport that we generally talk about, but their uh, tournament to return that's been airing on ESPN. It was so bad at first. You guys might remember FC Dallas, one of the teams, they had 10 positive tests. The team had to pull out of the tournament. (laughs) And now MLS did their most recent testing, and they have been excellent. They've been handling it incredibly well, and they got off to a really shaky start. So, Trent, to your point is, the longer you stay in the bubble, the more the numbers should go down. But with the NFL not in the bubble, and their first test coming, who knows how reckless or how responsible guys have been, it'll be interesting to see where those numbers are three or four weeks in. The NBA's numbers a couple weeks in, the NHL's numbers a couple weeks in, generally are very, very good. Uh, Zubin Mahente uh, is joining us. Zubin, were you surprised that uh, that the NFL and the uh, Players Association, uh, until the uh, players seemingly took to social media and went full blitz uh, on Sunday with one after another, some of the bigger names in the in the sport uh, that took to their Twitter account and made it very clear that uh, we, we need an agreement here, that the owners have not done their part yet. Were you surprised that it took as long as they, as seemingly it did, before that they got all the parameters in place as to what uh, August uh, and camps are going to look like? I think it was depreciating, right? The owners wanted the four preseason games, and they realized that couldn't happen. Then they went for two, one home, one road to make it equitable. Generally, games one and three, you can bag two, and then obviously nobody really cares about the fourth game. So they were moving in that direction. They went from four preseason games down to two. I think the players sensed the momentum was on their side, and they could go from two to zero. Obviously, this is just a 2020 decision, but... I don't think the players have ever wanted to play preseason games so it could go to 2021. But if you look at it from the owner's standpoint, um, to your point, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, uh, Russell Wilson, three of the more prominent players that came out over the weekend, this was a very coordinated attack. It sort of seems like these guys are really big players that just voiced their concerns. J.J. Watt also mentioned some things. But this was very well coordinated under hashtag we want to play. They got together and they made sure their messaging was right and it was on point. Drew Brees had his perspective. Russell Wilson said, my wife, Ciara, the pop star, is pregnant. Um, J.J. Watcher said, I have a whole bunch of questions. Here they are. Everybody sort of had an angle to go with. And I'll give the owners credit. Essentially, over the weekend, the players, to your point, Ken, made the uh, comments known. And then by Monday, the owners had a meeting. And by Monday night, some of these things were already being worked on as the elimination of the preseason and the testing procedure. So I think it was a big win for the players, I talked to our NFL insider, Diana Rossini, last night. She told me with regards on SportsCenter to the preseason games, the coaches aren't happy. And then we sort of mentioned, like, let's just pretend we're Joe Burrow or two of at this mm-hmm. point. Burrow's a better example because he's totally healthy. But no OTAs, no rookie camp, no mini camp, no preseason. And the whole idea with training camp is to not go two a days and to not go hard. But if you're the first overall pick and they're expecting big dividends and you've had no mini camp, no rookie camp, no OTAs, and unless no preseason reps, even that quote unquote third game, how important is training camp going to be for somebody like Joe Burrow in the age of NFL veterans saying training camp should be slimmed down? For the coaches, it's going to have heightened importance. And for rookies that are going to get no other run out there, it's going to be critical. There is no bubble for the NFL. There's certainly no bubble for college athletics. And how much more perilous in your mind is when training camp gets started for the NFL and these guys are banging into each other for hours on end on the football field compared to what they have with the NHL bubble, the NBA bubble, and, and how quickly maybe things can change in the conversation for football? 
Oh, I think everything with football is open-ended. I, w- I would say two things. I think the first thing is it's just window dressing. You're right, Trent. It's hand-to-hand combat. We're in the trenches. Everybody jump on a fumble. But, folks, let's just make sure after the game nobody gets coronavirus <laughs> by not swapping jerseys. <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to really make yeah. sure nobody gets injured. There'll be no sweat transfer, no aerosols or droplets. I mean, it's a little foolish, right? I mean, after the game, don't touch the other guy's jersey. But during the game... That's like saying I'm on a diet, but I only eat once, but I eat four Big Macs when I eat, right? It's just like those stupid kind of argument to basically say, yeah, well, you know, it's only for three hours, but look what you're doing during those three hours. The other thing I would say is something that Damian Lillard has said, and this is why it's totally open-ended. The NBA put out a 133-page manual about how to handle yourself in the bubble, all the little things like no double ping-pong and all the things people are criticizing and wearing a mask and wearing a bracelet and this, that, whatever. But the reality is, as Lillard said, and I concur with him, and other players have voiced this too, um, look, if you follow every single thing in the 133-page manual, you could still get it. And if you disregard everything in the 133-page manual, you might not get it. And I think you just have to sit there and, and look at it from a proper perspective. I thought this was a little bit heavy, but Stephen Adams turned 27 yesterday. They caught up with him in the bubble. He plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's from New Zealand, which has basically eradicated the virus completely. Now, granted, there are 4 million people, and they're geographically isolated. They're dealing with a lot more things uh, than we are. Um, We have a lot harder of a road to hoe than they do. But Stephen Adams said yesterday, he's like, listen, man, uh, we're we're not in Syria. That's the word he used. We're not in Syria. We're not in a war-torn country. Stop complaining about the food. Yeah, it's a little bit dry. But, you know, yes, we, we are used to living at the Four Seasons all the time. But they have those types of hotels at the Walt Disney World Resort. So a lot of it just comes down to perspective. You know, John Moran said, I'm not a Silver Spoon kid. I'm like a college kid. I eat ramen noodles like every (laughs) college kid. I'm not going to be upset at the quality uh, of the food. And I think Adam said that yesterday, too. Like, you know, we're in the United States of America playing basketball. Popovich said last week, I'm safer here than I am in Texas. (laughs) I'm 71. (laughs) I'm safer in the bubble than I am in my home state. So I think sometimes you just got to realize that it is what it is. Zubin, have you guys, I'm sure ESPN, uh, the, the um, journalists uh, the, that are there to cover the NBA, are they in the bubble already as well? I know there's a lot of uh, reporters, uh, writers that have made their way into the bubble. If so, what are you hearing about? The, what is it similar to what the players are going through? Yeah, very much so. The three that I've been following are Malika Andrews, who's an NBA reporter for ESPN. She's been in the bubble for a while now. Every report she does on SportsCenter yesterday, mask and gloves on the microphone in a room. I would recommend for any of your listeners that are interested, there's a guy named Ben Golliver. He covers the NBA for the Washington Post. He's been chronicling his time in the bubble. It's been great. He says he, you know, walks eight miles a day. He has to just walk in his hotel room, can't really do things. Uh, and then the Mark Stein, who used to work for us, who's a great NBA insider, works for the New York Times. He's also in the bubble. So you can get different perspectives about what it's like, how you pass the time. Some of these people have been taking pictures of the food that's left at their door three times a day. It's the exact same way the players do. Three times a day, you open your door, nobody comes in. They leave a tray. People are taking pictures of what you're allowed to eat and what they're serving. Just kind of get an idea of the way the players are dealing with it. Uh, They're tested all the time. And once they pass their quarantine, which is a particularly long quarantine, then they can start kind of walking around Walt Disney World uh, and that's the main difference between the quarantine media and the quarantine players. The players got there first, and they're moving around. They're going to practice. They're doing whatever. Many of the reporters have to get there, go through a lengthy quarantine, and then they can first start 
uh, walking around. But if you're interested, Malika's on with us every day, or Ben Golliver in the Washington Post, Mark Stein uh, with the New York Times. They're all chronicling their experiences, and it's pretty cool. Zubin, we've had a bounce in our step here the last two days, just knowing that this is the week that sports are finally returning, at least the major sports are finally reporting. What's it like on the ESPN campus? I, I got to guess just everybody giddy that there's going to be baseball, soon to be basketball, that we're, we're getting back to our day-to-day lives that we have inside of sports. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, yesterday, I mean, Passon was giddy. I mean, we had him outside Kauffman Stadium. He was ready to go. And for us, from a logistical work standpoint, you know, we're going to have more people in this week. And then obviously with the NHL and the NBA back, and we'll have NBA games at 1.30 Eastern time, 9 Eastern time at night. We're airing MLS games at 9 a.m. So we're slowly trickling more people back in. But from a logistical point of view, we're still not even close to operating the way that we were. We still have a small amount of people doing everything, even though, as you mentioned, there's going to be so many things uh, back. If we have a college football season, it'll be different. College football Saturday at ESPN, that's probably about as well as the place gets with regards to the amount of people. Um, so, yes, there definitely is excitement from our folks in the field that are definitely ready to cover things. But logistically, we are still covering a lot more here in the next few days with a relatively small amount of bodies. But I would generally guess if you go out to a restaurant, they have less servers. If you go to the supermarket, they have less grocery workers. And it's sort of the same thing with us. We're ramping back up for sure, and everyone's definitely excited. I definitely think, you know, Sports Center is going to be a little bit different. I mentioned this to somebody the other day. You know, it's been a long time, maybe since you and I, Trent, were watching ESPN back as kids. It's been a long time since they've been showing 15 Major League Baseball games. That's all Sports Center used to be, right? Mm-hmm. Highlights of every single game. Look, we haven't shown. I'm going to go out on the limb and say the Tigers lost 115 games last year. I'm sure <laughs> we didn't show much of them on Sports Center. They make the bottom line of the ticker. But guess what? Uh, the Tigers, uh, you know, uh, played three runs in their first game against whoever. Uh, you know, I think that uh, we'll be we'll be showing their highlights. The Orioles lost 115 games two years ago, and we would just show the struggling Chris Davis. We wouldn't even pay attention to the team. <laughs> and now we're going to show their highlights. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of SportsCenter the way that it used to be. Still some analysis. We still want to know why things happen. But because we've had such a dearth of highlights and people are dying to see anything, I think the teams that have been generally shut out of SportsCenter, the, the middling teams that we just don't have a chance to get to, even though all those teams are fans, we totally get it, I think you're going to start to see them a lot more than you ever used to. You know, it just dawned on me, fellas, and shame on me if I've got a brain fart here. Who Did you guys announce who's doing Monday Night Football yet? Not yet. Not yet. I thought, didn't think so. What happened with that? There's obviously been a lot of speculation uh, in the media, as there always is around everything with ESPN, as you know. <laughs> but we're still waiting for that. And obviously we've got a few extra days, not that this matters, but it'll be a September 13th with yeah. a doubleheader, including your Broncos. Yeah, they're the last game. I just seemingly every year or every other year, you wait all off season for them to come back. They finally got a quarterback who's going to turn the league on its ear. Trent. Drew Locke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drew Locke. I've, I've heard over these last four months more about Drew Locke than you would imagine, Zubin Mahete. Zubin, thank you. Uh, good to talk to you as always. We will do so in, uh, in a week's time. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Zuba Mahente from ESPN. It's just on to me. Uh, there's no NFL and Monday Night Crew yet. It's freaking August next week. Yeah, you probably should figure that one out. Pretty big property, right? Yeah. You'd think. And they actually got good games this year. They do. I think um, they're waiting to see if there's college football, apparently. Yeah.
And if, if not, they're going to slide Fowler and Herb Street into it. Pretty that easy. Make sense? Yeah. That would be what, uh, yeah. Anyways, we'll come back. Uh, one more segment to go. Miller and Condon till noon. Uh, David Kaplan joins us tomorrow. If you're a Cubs fan, uh, he will join us. Is there a prop White Sox versus Cubs? What kind of, who wins more games? games? Yeah. I haven't seen anything like that. You'd think that that would be... You like the White Sox. Well, I would do, like, the, 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 the you can't do the Mets or the Yankees. Although the Mets are going to be good. Not as good Not as, as good as the Yankees. Yeah. No, 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 no. You can't do right. the Angels and the Dodgers. The mm-hmm. one you could do, I think, would be White Sox and uh, White Sox and the Cubbies. Be close. Their numbers are close. They are close. Win totals. I'll just bet the win total the one you like more. I guess. Uh, we'll come back, finish things up. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 1- Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back. Final couple of minutes here. Murph and Andy slide in at 2. That's your next local programming. Of course, the Fanatics follow them at 4. Petrusov from Gonzaga is going pro. Did you see John Rothstein from CBS? His updated top five, I'm sure you did. You'd probably drool all over your shirt, (laughs) as a lot of uh, Hawkeye fans did. Villanova won, Baylor two, Iowa three, Virginia four, and Wisconsin five. Where do I sign up for that? And let's hope we get two Illinois-Iowa games, how great those two were last year. Weren't they something? Oh, it was so much fun. Last year's basketball season for Iowa was... I never enjoyed one more than than this past one. I uh, got a little trivia to wrap up for you. We were talking NFL a little earlier, and I mentioned mm-hmm. Washington mm-hmm. hasn't made an appearance in the championship game, NFC championship game, the last two decades. The Lions. Has it been that long? The other team in the NFC. There are, I believe, three. I think it was five total in the NFL. In, in how many years? The last two decades. Since 2000. In the championship game. Either AFC or NFC championship game. Can you name the three well, AFC seems teams? like Cincinnati couldn't have made it. There's one. Uh, Miami? There's two. Pretty good start. Uh, and I'm, I need one more AFC team. There's has... actually two more AFC teams. So it's a total of six. Chargers? Nope, they have. They The Chargers were there. Was that the game that uh, Phillip Rivers couldn't answer the bell? Yeah, 2007 season, yeah. 2008 in Foxborough, 21-12. Uh, Brownies? Browns? Yes, that's number three, or number four. So I'm missing one. You got one more. And they haven't been in a championship game in this decade. And last it's two going, decades. This, this past decade. The last two decades. And it's about to change because he's got a cannon attached to his right shoulder. And it's the Buffalo Bills. Correct. And it's about to change. And the Houston Texans, too. I guess there's more than I thought. It must have been something with the NFC when I saw that number because as I was kind of mm. researching it then... The Lions and the Skins, though, the only two teams That's crazy. in the NFC that haven't made an appearance. That is wild, isn't it? Yeah, you would think that there would be more than that. Uh, of course, the Cardinals played for a Super Bowl, yeah. and they're a bottom feeder, but they got to the Super Bowl. 2002, Tampa was there on their way to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Think of some of those other teams, and Carolina's been there. They were there in 2015. What happened that year? 
Seven Super Bowl 50. I, oh, jeez. Oh, God, I'll think of it. Who beat? Oh, Denver. Oh, yes. Denver again. Do you really believe in Drew Locke? Yeah. You, you say it a lot. Yeah. I don't know. But do I really believe in him? I have to. You feel forced? Look, they, he was 4-1 last year, but they played nobody at the end they of the did. year. Yeah. And it's... Uh, yeah, I, I want to believe in Drew Locke. I, that's, maybe that's the way I should put it. He's got some talent. He does. Denver's, Denver's yeah. I think, the second best team. By I mean, look, it's it's the Chiefs, and then it's the other three. It's a big gap. It's a huge gap. I just hope we get to figure out who, see how that gap plays out. We're back tomorrow. Cappy's part of the program. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. Uh, Murph and Andy, two fanatics at four. Morning rush tomorrow morning at six a.m. Thanks for being here. Fourteen sixty one hundred six point three FM.